Big. I love the Indy 500. Oh, I talked to the race winner from the Indy 500. Do you know that? You did? Yeah. La- uh, Sunday night? Sunday night, yeah. I was going to say last night. but uh, Je- uh, Joseph night. Newgard. Spells Joseph Joe, J-O-S-E-F. But hmm. it worked out perfect because the Coca-Cola 600 got rain delayed. I got to sit and watch a whole dang Coke 600 last night. It was awesome. Perfect. Well done, weather gods, G-A-W-D-S. And then I got to – I bring it up not just because, you know, it's a major event. Did you happen to hear, hear Jules' rendition of the national anthem before the Indy 500? Uh-uh. We can't play it on the air. It's not bad. I'm just saying it's the anthem. Yeah, it's and it's probably, what, multiple minutes. and It's different. It's different. Kind of a – Take our national anthem and turn it into some folk song that you're singing, I don't know, at a dive bar that serves martinis. Wow. And, well, and, that's and my coffee favorite, drinks. That's my favorite kind of national anthem. But yeah, it's just one of the weird things from this week. And I'm like, it, it, play the damn anthem. All right, let's go. It, it, I mean, uh, Jewel is a queen on and it. she can do whatever she wants. But a great weekend for racing. Unfortunately, None of the racing made the top five stories of the day, so let's get after it. It's time for the top five stories of the day, brought to you by Newcastle Casino. It's time for the top five stories of the day. Brought to you by Newcastle Casino. Newcastle Casino, where real gamers play. Let's go, man. Newcastle Casino. You heard the man where real gamers play. The OTP was hopping on Friday night as... It's one of the many options you have when you head out to Newcastle Casino. Conveniently located off I-44 and exit 107, they've got 14 different table games and happy hour Monday through Friday from 3 to 6, NewcastleCasino.com. All right, big story number five. Number five. So today starts a whole new era for OU athletics. And it, for some, might be under the, kind of under the radar, but the SEC spring meetings are taking place. In Oklahoma and Texas are a part of it. So, with that in mind, there is there's many topics, right? I someone te- earlier said, "Hey, is anyone sending anyone down there?" Like, I got a softball game to call and games. Josh is covering a athletic director who just resigned and retired out of nowhere. So, we got a lot going on. Hallelujah. But no, in, in all seriousness, this, you're right. That's a, this is a major week. But my point is the way it's being made and talked about is that we're not dealing with anything that's going to get done long-term today. Um, Greg Sankey was on, I guess, Greg McElroy's doing a podcast now for ESPN. But Greg Sankey was on with Greg McElroy, and they talked a little bit about kind of this week and the schedule issues. What goes on in the meeting room should stay in the meeting room. <laughs> um, I'll talk big picture when we added. Sure. Uh, when we added the two, my challenge to our membership was to engage in what I'll call blue sky thinking. Take a step back, think in an unencumbered way, um, and what's optimal. And that caused us to just look through 40-plus different scheduling models. Uh, we've coalesced around moving to a single division. One of the 
realities is not everybody's going to play the same strength of schedule every year. That's just impossible. You can have a number one ranked team play a lower uh, strength of schedule than the number seven ranked or the, the seventh place team in our league, but number one ranked nationally because the number one ranked team doesn't play itself. <laughs> so it's, there's no uniformity. What we will do, though, is narrow the band of disparity around strength of schedule um, as we look at this single division model. I, I think that's really smart. And then the question is the number of games, how many games happen annually, games will happen at least semi-annually, regardless of the number of games we have. Um, and that's the work to be done at our spring meetings. And you know, there are different opinions, but uh, I really commend our membership for wanting to, to be deliberate, to think through, to continually ask for information. Who knows, something new may come up next week that could delay us. But we're at least poised, which I said last year, to make a scheduling decision in the sport of football. So the we'll see if that dis- – oops, sorry. Sounds we'll like- see if that decision is made this week. Like, like That's what I'm saying, Josh. I don't think anything's going to be determined long-term this week. N- no, not, ne- not necessarily. But from what Senke said right there, I don't think that they're thinking two divisions. It sounds like, yeah, they're thinking – you know, one division, no division, you know, whichever way you want to phrase it, and then uh, rotating opponents, however that would look. Sankey said today that he has privately stated his preference of an eight- or nine-game schedule, but he's intentionally allowing the debate to play out among the 14-member schools. The outcome of the vote will be determined by a simple majority, which is eight schools. The SEC currently plays eight games. The thought was with the OU and Texas coming in, they would play nine. They're going to stay at eight games, aren't they? They're going to stay at eight games. I. It just seems like it would make so much sense to go to nine with the way we had the schedules figured out. Yeah, I mean, it would definitely simplify things. And from a permanent opponent standpoint, I think you would – you'd end up with happier campers across the board, but – you know, if you're not getting more cash, then probably maybe you stick with eight. And we, we know that football coaches, like, they don't like to be challenged. They, they like it easy. <laughs> well, and, and here's the thing that I'm starting to realize. All these things that we thought were going to happen with the move to a 12-team playoff, it, it, it's, it's not. I thought a 12-team playoff meant – more, and I use this term a lot, bangers, more big-time matchups. Hey, no longer are we going to worry about East Popcorn State. We're going to have – and then one, one of the first things that happens on the scheduling side is the Big Ten is dropping its requirement that you have a Power 5 school in your non-conference schedule. Like, well, that kind of sucks. SEC domino falls here where maybe it's – maybe it is – Same. You know, eight. Right. And that, right. And they might not play that nine-game schedule. It's, it might be eight. Like, wait, so here's the issues. Bowl eligibility, competitive balance, and television revenue are all expected to be part of the conversation. The expansion to 12-team playoffs is a factor as well. The two schedules at the center of the debate are an eight-game conference schedule that would feature one permanent opponent and seven rotating opponents, and the one that we like to talk about on this show, a nine-game schedule with three permanent opponents and six rotating opponents. It just seems like it would make too much sense to do nine. Well, and for the the Big Ten and SEC that seemed like they got all these things figured out, adding the schools that they've added in Oklahoma and 
Texas and USC and UCLA, and let's see if there's any more than that. The consolidation of power. It, it looked like they've got all this big-picture plan to add this great TV inventory, and they get it. And then uh, we take seemingly some pretty massive steps backwards. Mm. All right, big story number four. Number four. You know, we had a lot of NFL stuff happen this weekend, but one obviously at the center of my world uh, the Raiders apparently had to add a clause to Jimmy Garoppolo's contract that if he fails his physical, they can cut him without any cost. But it's wild, Josh, because this clause, and I, again, I'm sure there's a former NFL player, maybe Teddy's listening and he can attest to this. Uh, Michael Lombardi was preaching this on his podcast. So I guess in the contract – um, uh, it's called like addendum G in his contract. If he fails his physical because of that bone in his foot not healing, that specific bone, like the fifth metatarsal or whatever it is, that's the only way the contract is void. <laughs> so it's like one bone that he said, listen, I think it's going to be fine. My doctors say it's going to be fine, so I'll sign that addendum to this contract. I do need the surgery um, if I – fail my physical again, then fine, you guys can move on from me. But I still can't help but go back to the fact that a guy failed his physical, had a broken foot, and they were still like, sign him up, let's go. It's like, we got our guy. And this was before the draft, um, and really, I mean, there wasn't a lot of massive quarterback names in free agency, but what, what, what are we even doing right now? I want them just to come out and say we're tanking. Listen, we're tanking for Caleb Williams, and that's the way it is. Even then, if that were the case, why why would you go spend millions? Why? I don't know. Outside of, I guess, you, you spend to make, right? Maybe. And you, you've got everybody convinced, oh, hey, good reason to buy season tickets. Right. Jimmy Garoppolo's coming on down. All right, there we go. Let's, it's not Derek Carr. Derek Carr sucks. Get us a guy in here. And then all of a sudden you buy your season tickets. like, yeah, he's out for the year. Rip the mask off. Actually, Jimmy Garoppolo's hurt. <laughs> and we're tanking. Uh, meanwhile, Le'Veon Bell said this this week, and that had a few people outraged. Looking back on this, like, bro, like that's what I did, like, you know, when I was playing football, I smoked, bro. Like, I was, even before the games, I smoked. You know, I'd go out there and run for 150, two tubs. In the NFL? Like, yeah. The most least shocking thing ever, Le'Veon Bell, who failed multiple drug tests, admitting that he smoked weed before a game. I'm, I'm pretty sure it happens a lot now, too. Le'Veon, follow-up here. Is that why you thought you should have gotten wide receiver money, too? <laughs> Meanwhile... KJ Wright, uh, just because I want to get all this sound out from the uh, football over the weekend, uh, he took down his former teammate. When I look at this Russell Wilson situation, this could potentially go down as the biggest trade heist in <laughs> NFL history. We're talking two first-round picks. We're talking two second-round picks. We're talking a bunch of good football players. No offense, Shelby Harris, Drew Locke. And we're talking about they gave this man five years and paid him a lot of money to say you are our guy for the next five years. Russell Wilson, we're putting all our eggs into you, and all they've gotten so far is five wins and a fired head coach. Mm. And so right now, this is looking very scary. This is looking ugly. <laughs> KJ Wright, you're right on that front. Very funky little update right there. I know. Why do we have to always put music behind someone talking? All right, big story number three. 
number three. Before we uh, hit the NBA Finals, a little breaking news. Travis just shared this with us. Georgia Tech transfer Jalen Moore is transferring to the University of Oklahoma. Jalen Moore, let's see, sent a couple of other things. Uh, This was when they were talking about losing him. Uh, 7.6 points per game, 4.7 rebounds, 43% shooting from the floor. He averaged 20.5 minutes per game as well. Talented transfer cluster. Um, I guess they're really high on this kid. Yeah, I want to fire this rider. That is not AP style. Yeah, I was about to say, I was trying to follow PPG it along. PPG and, and RPG is not. That's not what not, you use, my friend. Not correct usage. I'm triggered. All right, so let me go back here. I, I don't see height and weight on this guy anywhere. Do you? I mean, in my mind, I want him to be 6'11", about 260. Oh, 6'7", 210. Dang it. <laughs> He's a string bane. Um, but I got pretty beefy for 6'7", 210. He uh, he was 13th in the ACC. Oh, uh, Georgia Tech finished dead last in the ACC last year. He's a Birmingham, Alabama native, and he's on his way to Oklahoma. And, you know, 7.6 points, 4.7 rebounds per game in 20 and a half minutes of floor time means there's some potential for upside, right? I mean, all of a sudden you get uh, starter minutes and you're talking about a double-figure type score. I guess I'm a little bit – I'm a little bit perturbed by this story because it doesn't really have much on him, but it it takes you it takes you like through all the rules of the portal. <laughs> like, wait a minute, is just something you guys tag on every single story here? It's like the portal has been around since 2000. I'm like, I don't care. I want to know more about this more kid. I need to know more about Jackson Cottell, the uh, publisher of All Yellow Jackets. Jackson, so- please call so I can help fix your writing. Jalen. Moore, Jalen Moore, six foot seven, two hundred and ten pounds, seven point six points per game, and four point seven boards for Georgia Tech last year. On his way to Oklahoma. Meanwhile, on the way to the finals last night, the Miami Heat. Three thirty to go in the game. Finds Jimmy on the cut, the throwdown. He has 20, 28. His twelfth make in twenty-eight tries. And all that was left was uh, gassing up the bus. Ten seconds remain. As the Eastern Conference Championship belongs to the Heat. 103-84 the final. For the seventh time in the 35 years of Miami Heat basketball, your Miami Heat will battle for the NBA's title. Denver, here we come. Seven for 35, not too bad. Jason Tatum got hurt last night, rolled his ankle. He wasn't 100%. So they turned to their other superstar, Jalen Brown. Just a terrible game when my team needed me most. Like, uh, uh, JT hurt his ankle. First play of the game, you know, you could see it, like, swelling up on him, and he couldn't move out there. It was tough for him. And, you know, my team turned to me to make plays and et cetera, and uh, I came up short. I failed. I expected to win today and move on. That's what my focus was on. That's what my focus has been on. We failed. I failed. And it's hard to think about anything else right now. Mm. 
So maximum contracts. Uh, <laughs> how are we feeling about maximum contracts, considering the, the failure? I retweeted this last night from Brian Curtis, and it kind of resonated with me. Um, the ratings for the NBA Finals will have no effect on your life. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you're absolutely right. But it's all anybody's going to talk about. It is. All right. Um, anything else from the Eastern Conference Finals? I mean – Denver has just been like chilling. It's almost like they've had to relearn how to play basketball. They haven't played in so long. Yeah, and I'm curious what effect that's going to have early in this NBA Finals. Does this near collapse for Miami sort of work to their advantage in some some weird degree? Great question. Great question, Josh. All right, big story number two. Number two. No surprise to some. Our confidence never wavered. The Oklahoma Sooners are in the postseason as, you know, it's it's kind of funny. I was listening to the selection show while um, kind of following along a bit. I was in the middle of a drive. So I didn't get to go. I had to go back and watch the the TV side of it. And here's what it sounded like when the Sooners were selected in the Charlottesville Regional. Elsewhere in the Virginia Regional. Oh, the Oklahoma Sooners, a bubble team, 31-26. and 26. Head coach Skip Johnson. They lost to Ole Miss in the CWS Finals last year. A couple of wins over Stanford this year. Swept Texas, finished seventh in the Big 12. They find a way in, and they find a way to Charlottesville to face the East Carolina Pirates. Cliff Godwin's probably sick and tired of the stat. 33rd tournament appearance, the most regional appearances without a trip to the College World Series. Jacob Jenkins, Coward, company going to try to change that. Yeah, there you go. So there's the celebration that was on for East Carolina and for Oklahoma. Big, big spot, right? Big spot. Here was Skip Johnson afterwards, and uh, the Sooners headed to Charlottesville. I think we're extremely excited about, uh, you know, uh, to continue our journey on Omaha. We're extremely excited about it. Uh, we know that season's over with. Had a tough uh, scheduling, and it, you can look, it did some good things for us. Well, there's no doubt about that. Virginia's good. East Carolina's good. I mean, those those teams are really good teams, and Army's really good. Uh, I remember playing Army in a regional before, playing 12 innings against them. So, uh, uh, there, I mean, this regional is a tough regional. It's going to be uh, fun just to get out. And uh, we play really good on the road as well. So it's uh, we're extremely excited about getting out and getting after it. There you go. Skip Johnson. Oklahoma, back in the postseason. New Let's lease on go. Life. Huh? Maybe so. You know they they've got they've got all the talent, right? And they've got some dudes that have been here. So let's go get it done. Limit the the walks surrendered, right? Correct. Cut down the free passes. Preach on and you know beyond Carmichael, find some guys that can can go find. The strike zone, pound the strike zone for you, and I think they got a chance. They they know how to go produce runs. The the question will be, can they go get consistent outs throughout this postseason push? Mm. Here is uh, start time, 6 o'clock. It will be on ESPN2, but we'll have you covered right here on the Sooner Radio Network. It, I, I wanted to play one more thing here. I thought this was interesting from the selection show yesterday, and I know we're running a little bit long it's 11:22. We're in the midst of the top five stories of the day. Um, we talked about the meetings in Destin, a big story five. Got into the Jimmy Garoppolo news, a big story four. 
Celtics out, Heat moving on to the finals with Denver and Big Story number three. But speaking of OU baseball, I, I was I was really intrigued by John Cohen and some of his honesty. Uh, we, we played the cut earlier about him changing and wanting to see the RPI change, but he was also asked about the responsibility to grow the game. And I found it weird, but his answer was pretty good. I guess it helps when I have it plugged all the way in. You know, Matt, you bring a great point. I, I don't have familiarity with the Northeast, but I, I started my coaching career at the University of Missouri, and I spent time at the University of Kentucky. I mean, hey, preparation in January and February is extremely difficult, and you have to make a lot of Southern trips. It's difficult. And I will tell you, there, we've, there have been extensive conversations in our committee room about the possibility of adjusting the RPI to account for those things. Currently, the, there is nothing... Uh, with the 16 criteria that we look at that says specifically you need to be concerned with the regionality of a school. But maybe that's something that needs to be considered in the future because there are great players, great coaches in the Midwest and the Northeast, and that needs to be considered uh, with future RPI, and it needs to be considered uh, for the tournament, in my opinion. All right. We got two massive tidbits of breaking news to just hit, literally while we were listening to that cut. Number one, Florida State makes it official. Keon Coleman, Michigan State transfer, going there. That's number one. Number two, even bigger. Golden State's Bob Myers stepping down as the president and general manager of the Golden State Warriors. Quote, unquote, it's just time. Huh. Hmm. Dynasty is dead? Hmm. He'd often said, Bob Myers, that he didn't really, you know, he, he didn't want a team that, didn't include, you know, Clay Thompson. He he never kind of envisioned having a squad that didn't have his his core core three. And Golden State is looking at that as a reality. Both Clay and Draymond. So I don't know if he becomes a candidate at other places because the rumor is that he's kind of destined for TV. But that is um He does seem like he'd do well on TV. That is a major vacancy. A major vacancy. And I, I don't think the story's totally done just yet. I mean, there's not maybe a ton of tread left on the tires, but Steph's got a couple more runs in him. <laughs> Jeff Schwartz tweeted, smart, sell out before they sell off and rebuild. <laughs> Kid out before you start the rebuild. All right, which gets us to, of course, big story number one around here. Number one. Number one. Number one. All right, so we're all in. On the Women's College World Series, when we come back, you'll hear from Patty Gasso. You'll hear from Kinsey Hansen. Um, I got coach from post-game radio I want to share. A lot of stuff with the players, too, coming up right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Minor spill. Minor spill. I think we're good. There's no equipment over here. <laughs> yeah, everything's fine. I think we're good. By the way, our OU softball updates, as always, are brought to you by Orthostat. In Norman, injuries aren't convenient, but Orthostat is same-day orthopedic care. No appointment needed. Call Orthostat at 405-515-5575 or visit ouchorthostat.com. You want to do a little um, Patty Gasso? Yeah, let's let's hear from the, well, the GOAT. We played this a little bit earlier. This was her reaction on, on the win. Emotional roller coaster, highs and lows, momentum, lack of momentum. But in the end, it was one of the most gritty performances I've seen from Jordy. These two 
Um, you look around, everybody is, I had Sid with her thumb wrapped up, I had uh, Jada with a problem with her ankle, like everything was starting to fall apart a little bit, but then, um, I don't know, these guys just have this unbelievable ability to create things quickly, and it just led up to Hanson, who I'm like, man, I don't because she is exhausted and drained and both of these guys put a charge in it to change the dynamic of this game so um, this is one of the biggest memories I'll walk away with without question we left Marita Hines in good good spirits here agreed agreed what um yeah, there's so many little moments and and, and we'll get text and questions throughout the day they're like hey don't forget about this don't forget about this how about this moment but Josh that's just that's everything about this game right there's so many little moments that led the Kinsey Hansen home run was fantastic and one of the most memorable plays that I think we'll ever see in the history of college softball right but there were so many little moments that led up to it right it was crazy you know again we John and I taped that softball special that night for locked on Sooners and one of the first comments we got was hey what's the deal with not mentioning Kirsten deal right I mean there was so many players to discuss that led up to it and you know we talked a lot about Jordy Ball coming in and slamming the door Mm -hmm. shut we we talked about just the ability to to go do what they did against the pitcher like Cagle and didn't spend enough time talking about the contribution of one deal and, and what that meant to the game and what it means for her going forward. But that's just the nature of a, yes, a win like that, where all the different contributions, somebody else commented, hey, what about the Sydney Sanders sketch? I mean, on and on and on. What about Haley Lee's at bat? What about uh, every single rally seemingly starting with the nine hole and Riley Boone? I mean, it's just, it's pretty incredible. And, you know, coach told DJ Sanchez afterwards, you know, there's a lot going on, but, Special moment. A lot going on today. I that was rough. That was rough. But I'm so proud of these guys and not quitting and the resiliency and just it's such a good cohesive team that's afraid of nothing. And even when we were down, they were you know just determined to get there. So proud of them and getting us to the next step. And and now all these other things can go. Like okay, we set a record. Right, good. Okay, let's just keep moving. Forward. So they're excited. They're they're wiped. They're wiped out. So we've got to do a lot of good recovery as well. But that was a blast. Potentially last game at Rita Hines. This has been this has been an unbelievable journey for you, for your family, for this program. What does it mean to have a game like this to send this this stadium out? Absolutely no better way than this because we've been in a lot of games that look just like this. The stakes are a little bit higher here, but without question, it was one of the biggest wins we've ever had here. Biggest comeback wins we've ever had. When the GOAT says it's one of the biggest comeback wins you've ever had here, you nod and you're like, yeah, absolutely. How cool. Uh, I think a lot of people have heard the Kinsey Hansen reaction to things, but just you know, one more time for everything that not just that she's overcome this season, but you know, to see the way that that she responded 
whenever the team's back was against the wall. I've never sprinted around the bases that fast <laughs> in my life. Not even when I hit the inside the parker against Washington. I think I ran faster today. Um, but it's just I heard my teammates yelling right when I hit it, and I just wanted to get home. And I think it was like um, a mosh pit. when I, Everybody was shoving each other. My tongue was bleeding. I'm pretty sure I got punched in the face. Like, it was just chaotic. And right then and there, I knew that, you know, this team is not done in 2023 until we decide. Yeah, I hope, um, I hope you decide to play for a while. That's my – please, Kinsey Hansen, decide that you want to play for a while. All right, we got a lot of really good Meyer uh, Chevrolet text that we'll get to coming up next. That's Josh Helmer. I'm Chris Plank. You're listening to The Plank Show right here on the Home of Sooner Fan. How busy has this show been? Off the air? I haven't even cleaned up my spill yet. Sorry. Yeah, You know what? And I've been a lousy teammate. I should have helped you out. No, no, it's okay. I just – I had to print off a couple of things, and the only printer I know how to do two-sided things on is ours. And I still don't know how to do it. I got it, though. We're good. Starting to feel organized? We're good. We're good now. All our softball updates brought to you by Orthostat. Ouch. Orthostat.com. All right. Um, let's roll through the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. Uh, Frisco Sooner. Earlier today, hit us up. Plank, Josh, I'm not sure anything anyone says could do justice to what we saw on Saturday. I mean, seriously, it was as if you saw a movie with all the circumstances. Last game at the stadium, winning streak, Patty Gasso's birthday, a trip to the Women's College World Series. You would think the movie was great, but almost too cheesy or unbelievable to happen in real life. Truly one of the greatest moments in OU sports history. From the 405, what are the plans for Murray DeHines Field? Could OU turn it into a park with plaques in the field for home plate and the home dugout on the fence? I don't know. I don't know. But I guarantee you it won't just be like a ceremonial ground. This here, gentlemen, is where Murray DeHines Field used to be. It'll either be like a practice field, it'll either be another softball field, or it'll be a parking lot. But I, I, feel, I feel like we're moving away from parking garages a little bit. Could be wrong. I don't, I don't know. So what do you, I mean, what do you think is going to happen then? That chipping area. You know, we can work on our short game. I mean, Scott Black's <laughs> done an great, incredible yeah. job on that outfield. I don't know. I haven't really heard anything. But, um, but you're saying we're moving away from parking garages. Why, why do you say that? Um, well, you know, let me, let me re- re- rethink that for a minute. I think you're seeing stadiums move away from parking garages and things of that nature. If you look at the brand new Oracle Center in the Bay Area, you know, there is very – I don't even know if you can drive a car there. I think you got to take a damn tram. Um, but there, you're, you're starting to see people driving to the games and things of that nature. You know, there's been more focus on events around the stadium than it is making sure you have parking there. So, And that's just been a shift over the last few years. Because, you know, when – oh, who was after – President Boren Gallagly. When President Gallagly was running the show, the idea was that area was going to be turned into a parking garage. Parking garage. But Marita? Yeah. Hines? Yeah, that they were gonna they were gonna get the money to build the stadium and they were gonna turn that into another area of parking, right next to the <sighs> new parking lot that had just been built. Well, campus needs it though. Yeah, and see, that's the thing, too, because if your whole future is, hey, there's not going to be a lot of parking around sporting venues. Yeah, but there's are 
lot of kids, 20,000 kids go to yeah, school here. This they isn't more parking. The, it's not the Golden State Warriors. Sure. I mean, it's, it's a little bit different. Agreed. Uh, Mike writes, uh, Sooner Mike writes, please comment on the following. If Brito does not run through the stop, thine at th- uh, stop sign at third, was that a game-changing play? And the play by Sanders falling into the dugout was great, but there was no discussion on players in the opening at the time of her catch. Uh, well, honestly, again, I plead ignorance here because, like I said, we couldn't see anything that happened there until it was afterwards. And, you know, one of the greatest flaws of Marita Hines Field is – if TV shows up, you're kicked out of the booth, and nobody find, ever found it necessary to say, hey, here's a replay monitor down here so you can watch it. So, What was the comment there on Sanders' catch? That the players in the, in the stairwell of the dugout, in the entrance of the dugout. So I don't – I'm not going to lie to you. I just oh, know – why were they sitting there? Yeah, I mean, you, I, I just think maybe them being involved in the play because – Yeah, they tried to duck out of the way. I, but... I thought they tried to move, right? And my understanding of the rule is, and I think Jessica Bame looked it up, and, and we might have been wrong, but as long as you make the catch with your feet like a receiver out in, in play, yeah, then it's an out. But Jessica said, no, no, your foot can be in the dugout when you make the catch. So I don't know what to believe in. Oh, really? Yeah. You can have, like, both feet in the dugout? I, I don't know. That's or just water. what I was told. I was of the understanding that you had to have your feet in play when you make the play. Well, when you make the catch. Sanders did. Yeah, which was incredible. She toe tapped it. Where's the what's uh, Nate Burleson's thing? He used to have the toe drag swag. She pretty much had that toe drag swag. That's kind of fun. Uh, the nine one eight writes. What about Starocco on Saturday? Did she get hurt or what's going on? I think Alex is working through a few things. That's just me. I think if you went back to the Big Twelve game against Iowa State. Uh, DJ Sanchez called it. It was like a 15-pitch stretch where just thing things weren't necessarily working for her. And I don't – I she, she righted it, and she was fine, and she righted it, and she was fine in the regional. But, yeah, it was a little bit concerning. And then there was a delay about, hey, are we going to give her one more batter or are we going to go to the – are we going to go to the pin and Kirsten Deal? But, yeah, I – I'm not overly concerned about it because you have depth. And guess who's showing that they can be I, – I know Kirsten Deal had the bases loaded walk on four pitches, but she got him right out of the jam. So I'm not, I'm not overly worried about it. I, she's, I, I don't know if she's 100% injury-wise, but I will say this. Um, we saw some signs of that against Iowa State in the Big 12, and I'm, I'm fully confident in her. I think she'll be okay. Uh, Brazilian Sooner writes, what a game. Thought we would get an easier win than the first game, but I was very wrong. Great fight in that Clemson team and class by their coach afterwards. Expect more tough matchups, but can't wait for the next one. I mean, it definitely, when you watch developments of champions, right? I, you know, I think of, and I was very frustrated the moment that Teddy said it, but like Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes losing to the Patriots mm-hmm. in overtime, didn't get the football. And Teddy had made the comment to me afterwards, and I think he said it on air, sometimes you lose from the champ to be the champ. Right. And not that, you know, Clemson is that overnight next. But I just I do feel like there were signs that this is a program, no doubt, with Clemson 
that could get to that point in the future, right? Mm-hmm. That is on this trajectory where they're going to be a problem going forward. They they showed well for themselves, and I'm sure that fan base is frustrated. But, man, it's tough to beat Oklahoma right now. Nobody's beating Oklahoma right now. And uh, they did about – you know, they gave Oklahoma about as good of a challenge as anybody has. So, yeah, the prospects for them going forward, promising. Uh, do we have time for a few more? A couple quick ones. Uh, nine one after Kinsey's softball career is over. She has a career in TV on ESPN. Oh, she's going to be great. <clears throat> she's going to be fantastic. Hanson's home run. Here's another one of those, right, where we talk about, yeah, Hanson's home run was great, but Hanson's home run was great, but if Haley Lee doesn't get that single, Hanson doesn't have a chance. Yes, it all kind of works in conjunction with each other. Um, For the 402. It hasn't affected her defense, but do you have a concern for a G3? Seems like she has a glitch in the swing right now. Also, the last two outings that were rough for Straco. This fan is a lot like me. I think you and I may be kindred spirits because you can have all these incredible things that are going on around you, and you're like, the little lights aren't twinkling, Clark. Right. Um, that G3's in a little slump. But the good thing is, She's still fantastic in the field, and I think she's going to be okay. Well, and made a couple of tremendous plays mm-hmm. in this game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Pop from Cement. Thankfully, has moved on to the text line. I'm three for three. Took it up a notch and was nude in the backyard during the comeback victory. I'm Bob from Cement, inviting you to enjoy the freedom of being in the nude while enjoying nature. There you go. For the 405. Mike, talk about the performance of Jordy in that game. Again, it's just so many little things, right? So many little things that absolutely, positively, Josh, came together to make that possible. You say Jordy. I agree 100%. That was incredible what Jordy Ball was able to come in and do. She's been so good. out. She hasn't allowed a run out of the pen this year. It's incredible we got a break. It's 11.51. When we come back right here on The Ref, let's put a wrap on this edition with our Jerry Springer final thoughts right here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Show's definitely had a Monday feel to it, but in a fun way. Thanks to all the great text messages, calls, interaction. Um, I'm not feeling overly confident about JT Gasso being on the show tomorrow, but we'll keep our fingers crossed. Ah, before. uh... Never say never. I'm going to be out there, I think, for the show tomorrow. If not, it'll just be you and me in here with Con. <laughs> but I, I'm going to be out there regardless. It might be me talking on a phone to you. It might be all of us. We'll find out. But, yeah. Oh, here's a good text. And it will be exciting. From the 405. By the way, I did hear from the incredibly uh, talented Melissa Cole. Mel writes, do people really text you? about running around outside in nature in the nude? Uh, yes. Mel, yes. Do. Yes. BFC. Well, one, one person one does. One person does. Uh, then for the 405, man, guys, I know Riley Boone plays her role perfectly in that nine hole, but I'd be doing everything I could to get her more at bat. She's a spark, and Jada would be a great three hole in my opinion. Well, here's what you can do. Here's what you can do, all right? Let me, let me give you the path. Go get a job at a small junior college, Long Beach. 
Then have Marita Hines hire you as the head coach, spend 29 years, win about six national titles, and, bro, you can move Jada Coleman wherever you want in that lineup. But in all seriousness, I'm kind of with you. I love Jade in that leadoff spot, though. I think 9-1 works perfectly with him. Riley 9, Jade 1, TRA 2. I think that's perfect. But I love the idea. And then one more quick one here. Just remember, guys, Clemson was the 10th-ranked team in the country in May, and they played like it against Oklahoma, which makes the OU victory even more significant. Hey, have a good day. Have a great day, Josh. Steel Man and Thune at noon are next.